an emphasis on celebrities, athletes, and business models, and entrepreneurs, and what success is in the world's eyes. But I think that we need to focus sometimes on what success is in God's eyes. If you know anything about 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy is perhaps Paul's most intimate letter. He knows he's in prison. He knows that he is about to die. And you know, there's something that's very uh, serious about knowing when you're going to die. You begin to think about life and you begin to reflect upon things. The Apostle Paul makes three statements about successful Christians in regards to his life. It wasn't an arrogant statement. It was a statement that he had done his best. Three of them. Three I haves. And we'll see that in just a moment. And I think it's very important that tonight that we're reminded of these things. And I think that if we can see these things and that we will apply these things to our lives, it will definitely change us for the better. Now, I know you've already been up and down, but can you stand with me one more time to honor God's Word? 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse number 6. For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight... I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love His appearing. Father, bless the reading of Your Word. We thank You for it. I pray that these next few moments You would rest our attention that our hearts and our minds and our everything about us would be drawn to You to receive Your Word this evening. Lord, help us, God, raise up some men and women that will unashamedly stand for You and Your glory. And God, I pray that You'll do something incredible through us, in us, for Your glory. God, I pray for Your help and ask You in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Amen. <laughs> 2 Timothy is, as I said earlier, a very intimate letter. We are told that not too long, tradition tells us, not too long after the Apostle Paul wrote this, that he was beheaded for his testimony. And so this is a very intimate letter. The evangelist is writing, the church planner is writing to his protege in the faith, and he's telling him things that matter. And as he goes through and he tells them how to deal in the last days, uh, chapter 3 talks about the last days, the characteristics of the last days, and we're living in them now. Those characteristics are prevalent in our society. He lists all those things out, and he gives him a recipe. He says, listen, in these last days, the way you combat that is you preach the Word. Secondly, you do the work of an evangelist. And thirdly, you endure affliction. That's what he told him. And right on the heels of that, he comes and he qualifies this and says, Listen, the time of my departure is at hand. He's talking about his death. He says, I am now ready to be offered. The time of my departure is at hand. And then he gives us something that is so profound, if we'll just get a hold of it, it'll change us forever. 
Now, typically when someone's dying, it is, they, they really speak things that matter. You've heard of his last will and testament. Typically, they pass down things to people that matter. And this is a weighty mattered subject. He says three statements. I have statements. The first thing he says, and I think the first thing about being a successful Christian, he says this, I have fought a good fight. I have fought a good fight. Guys, listen to me. Christianity is a fight. Faith is a fight. Can I just take you down through history just for a few moments? Let's go back to the garden. What happened? God created man and woman. He gave him this beautiful environment. What happens? The battle happens. Satan immediately comes in and begins to tempt. So what happens? God works and preserves and then we go through a little while longer. And you could talk about Cain and Abel. And you could go down through the children of Israel being in captivity. You can see the hand of Satan trying to stop or undo everything that God is doing. Now I said trying because he can't undo it. But what we've got to realize is that Christianity is a fight. It's a fight. We have promoted this false pseudo-Christianity that you get saved and everything is going to be just fine. You're not going to have any problems. All your needs are going to be met. And guys, I'm telling you this, that is a farce. That is nowhere taught in the Scripture. However, the Bible tells us that faith is a fight. Faith is a fight. And we've got to learn that. Guys, listen to me. Well, you have to understand, it's not going to be easy for you to get up on Sunday morning and come to church. It is a fight. Right. Have you ever noticed all the things that go wrong on Sunday? Yes. Have you ever noticed that? I mean, everything. I'm leaving to come this morning, and our dog inside goes outside. We can't find her. Finally, we find her, and she has rolled in something dead. And she is nasty. And my wife is not ready. And she has to stop getting ready and wash the dog. Now, some of you are saying, just leave the dog outside. You tell Amy that. <laughs> so she has to wash the dog. Now, listen, I know that's something insignificant. But little things like that happen all the time. And we don't even think about it being a fight. How many of you times have you ever got up on a Sunday morning, car won't start, your refrigerator went out, you got a water leak? I can name numerous things that each of us have to deal with. You know why? Because faith is a fight. Christianity is a fight. And we have to fight. And Paul says, I'm ready. And the one way I know I'm ready is I have fought a good fight. I fought a good fight. It's a fight, guys. It's not all rainbow and roses. The devil is going to try to stop you he is going to try to discourage you. He is going to try to deceive you because ultimately he wants to destroy you. If he can destroy your testimony, then he can try to stop the work of God in someone else's life. Someone you've been witnessing to. Someone that you have been trying to share your faith with. If he can stop that in your life, his goal is to keep that person from trusting in Jesus Christ. Listen to me. Faith is a fight. 
All through the New Testament we come into this and we see, we see that the disciples come and, and they're in a, in a one room and the Lord ascends back into heaven. He tells them that before he goes, he tells them that they're going to wait there until the Holy Spirit comes upon them and then they're going to be his witnesses. We come over to Acts chapter 4 and we find that they haven't moved out like he told them. He told them in uh, Judea and to Samaria and to the uttermost parts, Jerusalem, Judea, and to the uttermost parts of Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the world. And they find themselves staying right here. So what happens? The fight comes. Persecution comes in. And that's what disperses them out into the regions where they should have been going. Do you know that if you study church history, you'll find that it is during the most difficult times of the church when persecution is at its highest point, that's when the church flourished the most. Also, if you study, you'll find the most apathetic times of the church, the most lethargic times of the church is when they had the most and the easiest. And we're there today. We are here today. How is your fight How's your fight? How is your fight? That's hilarious, isn't it? (laughs) How is your fight, guys? Think about it. Notice the second statement he says. I have finished my course. I have finished my course. The first thing Paul understood is that it was a fight. The second thing he understood is that finishing is just as important, if not more important, than starting. I used to run a lot. A lot. A lot. I know you can't tell now. But I remember the first road race I ever ran in. I got up front. First mistake. The second mistake was I ran with the crowd. I didn't pace myself. You don't even realize it. Not even a mile into it, I've got, I got side stitches. I'm about ready to blow chunks. I'm glad to say that in church. But, <clears throat> I mean, I'm ter- and I realize I look down and I'm running a pace that's not sustainable for me. And I finished, and I hate to say this, Lord forgive me, there was a little old lady ahead of me at the in- finish line, and I thought, she's not going to beat me. So I sprinted in through the thing sideways and beat her. So she didn't beat me. <laughs> That's terrible, isn't it? I confessed. It's true. I shot through there. But I learned out something. Something very important that day. Finishing is more important than starting. We say, well, if you never start, listen to me. I'm telling you, many people start off on fire for Jesus and they fizzle out. Many people start on fire for Jesus and they come into church and someone says something to them that ruffles their feathers and they're no longer in church. They didn't finish their course. You think the devil can't use a church member to say something to you to get you aggravated so you quit doing what you're supposed to do? Well, nothing really bothers me. That's baloney. Most Christians wear their feelings on the sleeve. And I'll tell you as a pastor, there are times when I can't deal with something that I need to deal with because people will be so hurt over just trying to be helped. Well, if that's the way it's going to be, I'll just quit. I'll just quit. That's not finishing your course. That's not finishing your course. Would to God we had some men and women who will fight, who will stand and fight and not quit. Not quit. 
Guys, we, we've gotten to the place in our land where we think that God is blessed because we're here and we're part of His service doing Him. Uh, I mean, He ought to be blessed to have me. That's ridiculous. We are blessed because He allows us to be in the fight. And because He allows us to be in the fight, we've got to finish our course. And let me just say this. We have no problem quoting these scriptures, these cliche scriptures, right? I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. And then when it gets tough, we quit. You know, God is not so much concerned about our comfort as is our character. He wants us to look like Jesus. And let me tell you something. Jesus went through a whole lot more than we did on this earth. No one's beaten me and ripped the flesh off my back because I stood for righteousness. Yet we get so enamored with ourselves and we let somebody bother us. Well, you know, they didn't like the way I did this or they, they criticized me with that. Well, you know what? You know what I started doing? Don't read it. If somebody sends you something nasty or says something on Facebook about you or something, don't read it. It's so much more enjoyable. Well, they're talking about you behind your back. You think they're not talking about you behind your back? I mean, come on. Let me just say this. If someone will come and talk to you about someone else, they'll talk to someone else about you. And we get all been out of shape. And I'm just going to quit. Nobody appreciates me. Nobody likes me. Everybody hates me. I'm going to go eat worms. That's not finishing the course. What did God, we have some people that are tenacious. I had a picture. I used to have it in my office. I don't know what I did with it. I think I gave it to someone. But it had this, <laughs> this uh, <laughs> bird that had a frog hanging halfway out of its mouth. And the frog had a hold of the neck below its head so that the, the bird couldn't swallow him. And it said, never give up. And he clenched it tight. And guys, that's what we need. We need some tenacious Christians that won't give up, that won't quit when it gets hard, that will stand for right and wrong. And listen, you can say what you want to. Well, so-and-so can't sing. Probably not. But who cares? I've learned to sing for me and not anybody else. And if no one else likes it, I sure enjoy it. That sounds extremely arrogant. It's not. It's just like, I don't care anymore. And we've got to get to that place in our lives, guys. We have to get to that place. This is a fight, and we have to finish the course. And number three, he says, I've kept the faith. Now, in, in this when he says, I've kept the faith, what he is saying is this body of doctrine that he believes. So he's just talking about this whole delivered, the faith that was Jude says it was once delivered. And he kept it in two ways. The first way he kept it was that he believed it and he lived it. And what it means is that he was faithful to it. Do you know that the Bible tells us that we will be judged not in our abilities, but we will be judged in our faithfulness? Moreover, it is required of stewards that a man be found faithful. Faithful. Paul was faithful. Paul was faithful to the very end. And what we need are some men and women who are faithful. We don't have to look over our shoulders and see, are they going to be there? You know they're going to be there. 
We need some people. Guys, listen to me. We need some people who get back to saying, listen, I know I only get four weeks of vacation a year. I can take one to go to church camp. I'm looking up so nobody thinks I'm preaching at the end. It's awful quiet, doesn't it? People that are willing to sacrifice some things and do something for the glory of God. So people who are willing to come here on vacation Bible school in the middle of the summer and it's hot and all these screaming kids in that gym and love on them for Jesus' sake. We need some faithful men and women. Faithful in the classroom. Faithful in the buses. And you are. But let me encourage you to be more faithful. Faithful to help when we call out and say, listen, we need some help decorating. We need some help going downstairs and getting those things out. We need some faithful people. People who will follow through on it. People who know it's a fight and the devil's going to fight us every step of the way. But we're still going to do it. We're still going to do it. That's what we need. And Paul says, listen, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. The second way he kept the faith was he took that faith that was once delivered and shared it with others. I am telling you this as your pastor, the hardest thing for me to do is to do personal evangelism. Not because I don't believe in it, I believe in it. The reason it's so difficult for me to do is it is a fight. And the devil knows that if we share the faith with someone, that they might believe. And if they believe, the Bible says, they pass from death unto life and he's lost someone. The devil will let you do churchy things without trying to hinder you. He'll let you do all kinds of good things without trying to hinder you. But when you step up and step out and start handing out tracts and start witnessing to people, it will become an all-out fight. But Paul did it. He was successful in it. He was willing to die for it. I don't know this to be true, but someone told me that they read somewhere that the Apostle Paul was so in love with Jesus... And he was so convinced that he had fought a good fight, that he had finished his course, that he had kept his faith, that he ran, he ran to lay his head on the chopping block. Could you imagine that? I'm sorry that Paul had to lose his head, but I understand it's hard for you to get here at 10.30 in the morning. I understand that it's difficult for you To serve the Lord. But Paul ran to his demise because he was so passionately in love with Jesus. And spreading the gospel meant so much to him that he was willing to die. I I I remember the passage of Scripture, Being dead, yet speaketh. Talking about some of the old prophets. And and, uh, I remember this. Many of the men that I like to listen to on the radio, are dead and gone. They're in heaven. And they still play their their preaching and their teaching. And even though they're gone, being dead, their words are living on. They're encouraging people. And many of them became more 
notable after they died than when they were alive on the earth. Because I think, my opinion is, God does that so we don't glory and we start believing about ourselves something that would cause us to be proud and boastful and take us away from doing the work of the Lord. Right. Paul was a fighter. Paul was a finisher. And Paul, I'm making up a word here, I don't care, he was a faither. Not a gaither, a faither. Some of you are like, don't be talking about Bill Gaither. It's on, brother. He was a faither. He was full of faith. Now notice what he says. Henceforth, there is a laid up for me a crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day and not to me only. But notice this next verse. If you highlight in your Bible, notice this verse. But unto all them also that love His appearing. That's significant because He doesn't say all those that love Him, but all those that love His appearing, which means all those that are ready to depart. All those that are ready to stand before Him and give an account. All those who are ready to stand and say, I fought a good fight. I finished my course. I've kept the faith. Those that are ready to meet the Lord. I would ask you this this evening. How is your fight? How is your finishing And how is your faith? Successful Christians have three things in common. They're willing to fight. They're willing to finish. They're willing to be faithful. God doesn't necessarily need your ability. He needs your availability. God doesn't need anything. He wants your... Let me rephrase that. He wants your availability. Heaven's not the goal, guys. If you're saved, there's nowhere else you're going. You're going to heaven. That's it. Heaven's not the goal. The goal is to be conformed into the image. We are here on this earth to be the body of Jesus Christ. We are the physical representation of Jesus Christ on this earth. And we need some in the body that are willing to fight, that are willing to finish, and that are willing to be faithful. My question to you is, will you join me in that endeavor? Let's bow for prayer, please. Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed.